Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Set up what this kind of looks like. And I want you to understand uh, the context of where we are. David has been anointed a chapter earlier. He is the smallest of seven kids. He's the smallest. He's the youngest one of seven children. A day later, there is this man, his name is Goliath, who has defied the children of Israel. Um, Alex, come on over here for a second. Let me grab Alex. Come on here, Alex. And so he has defied the children of Israel. Come on, you're on this side. This side right here, y'all the Philistine armies. Y'all the Philistine. And then this side, y'all the, y'all the children of Israel. Y'all the children of Israel. And so, so, so the Philistine, his name is Goliath. He has defied the armies and he says, um, run it. Whoever on this side wants to fight me, then what's going to happen is that if I win, you become our servants. But if, we, if I lose, we become your servants. And so he has defied the children of Israel and this whole camp and everybody is there and everybody's gathered together. David, his father, Jesse, says, hey, I want you to go take, because out of seven brothers, three of his brothers were actually in that war. And so he says, I want you to go and I want you to take bread to your brothers. And so Ricky, come on over here, Ricky. Ricky, come here. You're David. You're David. Come on, y'all make some noise for Ricky. And if you're listening to this by way of podcast later, you might want to watch the YouTube so you can see. Come on, why are you so far away? You scared? Come over here. And so, and so... David, you know what I mean? He was a, a man of, of short stature. You know what I mean? He was a kid at this point. He was younger. So imagine Ricky when Ricky was younger, you know what I mean? Less good looking. He was just a little, a little smaller. And so David goes to take bread to the family. And as he, goes to, as he goes to take bread to the family, he starts to see what's going on. And so he starts to ask people like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, yo, the, the Goliath has defied them. And, and Matt, how tall are you? 6'3". So imagine, give him another two feet, three feet. Uh, so he's nine feet tall. And David at this point is a teenager, right? So this is what the, the contrast looks like. And so he's defying them. And David's like, yo, so what happens if somebody beats him? Like, what do they get? And so they're like, oh, if somebody beats them, they get the king's daughter and a little bit of money. And so David was like, let me see her Instagram. Let me see her TikTok. Let me see what she looked like. <laughs> and so <laughs> you got to check. You know what I'm saying? You ain't finna just sign up. She might be the weak-eyed one. You know what I mean? And so... <laughs> And so David, and so David, <laughs> praise the Lord. And so David is like, David like, oh, she cute or whatever, you know, I like it. So David says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go fight this guy, right? And so David has this moment of, All right, I'm ready and I'm going to go do this. And then they, they face each other. I'll come a little closer, come a little closer. And then they have, they have a face-off. And in this face-off is exactly where I'm going to pick up this story. Can y'all make some noise for David and Goliath? <laughs> 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 45 through 51, it says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel." Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. 
So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he, he had a sling with him. He slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran, stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out from its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Hey, over the next few minutes, I want to talk to you from this idea, the subject, if you're taking notes. Plus one, uninvited. Plus one, uninvited. Uninvited. Come on, let's pray. Um, Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord. We pray today, Lord, that you would speak to us. Let it be your words and not mine. Um, for some of us who are in this room, sometimes we feel like we're on the outside of history. We're on the outside of callings, dreams, ministry. We feel sometimes like we're even on the outside of a relationship with you. And today, Father, as we take a look at the life of David, Lord, for some of us, we've heard this story so many times. Give us a different perspective. Help us to see it in a new light, Lord. I pray today that the words that escape my mouth, Lord, will find follow, fallow ground, Lord, that the hearts of individuals, Lord God, will be changed, Lord God, because of a story that you had in the Bible and because you are a deliverer. The plus one that is living inside of us is so much bigger than Goliath, the enemy, the devil, his, tra his tactics and his plans. And Father, we're so grateful that we have you on our side. We're on the winning side, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Anybody excited about being on the winning side. Come on and make some noise for Jesus. Amen. Hey, I, uh, I, I, um, I love the generation that I come from, um, but I love the generation before me because I think the generation before me, they did a good job. They, you guys, if, if you're 60 plus in the building, you know, in your 70s, um, you guys had a, y'all had it hard, but the diligence, the strength that you possessed, I mean, is, is unbridled, but it's compared to no other generation. Um, that Your generation was the generation that had one house and one car, and you, you worked at a job that you hated for 30 years, and you hated it, and you probably didn't even make that much money, but you stayed consistent, and you were always there, and you were always consistent, and you taught us some values. Um, for those of us that that are in our 40s, you know, I identify as in my 20s, but whatever. Um, but for those of you that are in your 40s, um, y'all remember that you were raised a little bit different. And I didn't notice how different I was raised until I took my kid um, to Six Flags with some friends. And my, my wife said something to one of the friends that were in the car, and she said something, and the, and the girl responded back, what? <laughs> something boiled inside of me. I was like, what? It, it just, and I just, and I, and I, you know, I'm trying not to embarrass my son. So I just, Father, right now, calm me with your Holy Spirit. Because my generation was a lot different. My generation, there was, you had some ground rules, bro. There were some things that you wouldn't do. I mean, as, as you, do you remember, and I, this is therapy for me. So I need to, and I'm going to get back to the text. I promise I'm going to talk about the Bible and I'm going to talk about all this good stuff. But, but do you remember, do you remember when we were kids? Like, yo, we weren't allowed to talk to strangers. Like, it was a thing. I know it's so basic, but now these kids are on FaceTime. They, are, they got apps where they're sitting there talking to strangers. In FaceTime, they're like, hey, so what's your name? What? Like, we weren't allowed to do any of that. We, and we were, it was just different. If you walked, especially into a Spanish home, right? If you were Hispanic and you walked into a home, like, man, and other cultures as well. I'm not just saying Hispanic, but you had to say hi to everybody. Like, you had to walk in. 
How you doing? How you doing? Have a seat. How you doing? Your mom and your aunt don't talk, but you better say hi to her. You better just... Because if you didn't, your mom is mad at her, but you didn't say hi to her? But mom, you... T- what? You told me not to talk to her. I told you that you, you say hi to her, you don't talk to her. <laughs> and you know, you, you go to their houses, you go to other people's houses, and it's like... Your parents, they got ground rules for when you get there, right? It's like, hey, when you go to the house, don't touch nothing. Don't touch nothing. And what was the other one? Let me know if this is the 930. I felt a little bit better because I felt like this was my mom, the only one that did that. But did you ever go to other people's house and your mom told you, don't ask for nothing. Don't ask for water, no cookies, no food. Y'all had that? It was, you know what I'm saying? I was like, don't you, don't say nothing. You got to sit there and just be quiet the whole time. And you just got to, yes, ma'am. Okay, awesome. And you know, there was, there was things that don't, when they ask you about our family business, you don't say anything. You shut up. You don't talk to about our family. You don't say anything about our family. There were certain things that you just like, you were like, you walked into people's houses and you just like, I don't want to talk to you. Don't say nothing to me. I'm not asking for nothing. I don't want to do nothing. And it was, in our Hispanics, no te metas en asuntos de los adultos, which means in English, don't get in grown folks. Somebody say that one more time. Somebody need deliverance right now from getting in grown folk business. I mean, these were things. Like, you, if grown folks weren't, you know, talking, you weren't in, oh, my God, you know, I had this thought. Is what, what? Hey, let me, oh, as you guys were discussing, I was thinking, I was reading on the TikTok the other, like, no, you stayed out because that was a death sentence. If you did that, your mom or your dad would look at you and it was like, it's like Nebuchadnezzar. Last, last Sunday, I was talking about how his facial features change. You knew you're going to die. You know you're going to die. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, there was just, that we had death sentences. Listen, I, I, I don't condone child abuse. And so when I say things like, you know, knockout and timeout, like, my generation was, we didn't get timeout. We got knocked out. And some of it was child abuse. But, but I don't condone it. I don't condone it. No, I'm not, and I, but there were some things that if you, if you like got in the middle or y'all, if you talk back, if your parents said something, but you, and you had just a word to say back to them, this right here was a death sentence. Y'all ready? You, if you sucked your teeth, you're going to swallow them. That's what they would tell you. You want to swallow your teeth? <laughs> I'm going to give you something to cry about. They said the most abusive things, bro. I, bro I, was, I, was, I was laughing. I was laughing because there were, just, there were things that you just wouldn't do in public. And I, as I look at the story of David, David shows up into the scene, right? And he's like, he's having this conversation. He's getting in the middle of, of, of like a, a two wars that are happening. And he stands in the middle of this war. His dad told him, hey, I want you to go and I just want you to take him some bread. But here it is that Daniel's, he broke all the rules. When there's wars happening, especially when you visited other people's house, man, you didn't say anything. Like when parents are arguing, you just... When, when you see, I was at my friend's house. This is hilarious, but it was, it was horrible. I was at my friend's house, and he was raised a little bit different than me. And we were playing Street Fighter. Y'all remember Street Fighter? Shout out to Street Fighter. And uh, for all two and a half of you that know what Street Fighter is, it's a fighting game on the Nintendo. You do like that, and then you put it in. And so, and so I was playing Street Fighter with my friend. And as I'm playing Street Fighter with my friend, his mom comes in and opens the door and says, Hey, honey, I need you to, op- I need you to take out the garbage. And the kid responds to her, Mom, I'm busy right now. I'm playing a game. And I thought he was going to die. I said, it's over. I said, Dad, I wanted to play Street Fighter. You about to get street fought. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like, 
And she says, okay, just whenever you finish, come on. And she closes the door. And the whole time, I, they took a picture of me. I want to show you what this picture looks like. I was standing there watching him the way that he talked to his mom. And it was like this. This is what I was like. <laughs> I was like, bro, you about to get killed, bro. Like, did you just talk to your mom like that? David is in the middle of this thing. And his dad gave him one job. To go bring bread and bring food and then give me a report back. This was simple. Not for you to get in the middle of this stuff. Not for you to break every single rule. David wasn't raised the way we were raised. David would have got his head bust. But, but David steps into the scene. What I want to show you though is that I believe that we have tendencies or I think we can see ourselves in some of the things that happen. The story of David and Goliath is a you could do two series on this. You could do an entire year of, of talks when, it talk, when, you, when, you, when you grab David's life and you begin to unpack it. Not even his whole life. Just this story right here. My hope, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw some gems. And hopefully these are gems that you haven't heard very often because this has been preached up and down, left and right. But I want you to see yourself. Not only do I want to see yourself, but I'm going to give you after each one of them a practical tool for you to be able to use this thing because you're going to see yourself in the story. First thing. The Bible says that David's dad, his name was Jesse, he gave him some bread and he told him, I want, to go, I want you to go to the war. Now, what, what this can look like is that there's a moment of insignificance in just having the bread, but he had no clue the impact that it would have, right? And so in our own life, we have things in our hands that seem insignificant, but you have no idea the impact that you're carrying with what you have in your hand. For some of us, we're wondering, what's God's will for my life? Oh my God, what am I supposed to do? The whole time you're carrying your call in your hand, but you see it as something that's familiar and insignificant. Nah, this ain't it. I'm just a mom. No, you're a mom of a world changer who is going to change people's lives with the preaching songs, the books the things that are going to come out of this child's life and it can look insignificant even in your role things that you're doing right now that you're just like yo this seems insignificant but you have no ideas the ripples to eternity that that one little thing that you have in your hand that God can use I remember me and my wife we were in Bible college and at the church where we were at our, our youth pastor stepped into a creative director role right and so the youth pastor was vacant and I remember that my pastor was like hey I'm gonna the senior pastor was like hey I'm gonna give you you're gonna be the new youth pastor but then my, my his son which was the executive pastor was like if you give Chino this title right now and you give him this role it's gonna kill him let him be able to slowly start living and so these guys are arguing you ever been in an argument between grown folks and you just golly we used to get on the phone. We would get on the phone and just, yeah, well, praise the Lord. Let me check the tic-tac. Well, let me check my MySpace. I got any friend requests? <laughs> and so here's what happened. They came to an agreement, and the agreement was this. Hey, why don't we have Chino lead the junior hires before he leads the high school students so that he can kind of work his way up? And I got that, and I was like, yo, I don't want to do junior hires. Those kids got boogers. They stink. They don't know how to watch. They're behind. They're nasty. Like, I don't want to deal with middle schoolers. Like, and I love middle schoolers. If you're a middle schooler, we love you so much. <laughs> we love you, Dre. <laughs> we love you. But I was like, I don't want to deal with middle school. I want the big kids. You know what I mean? I want to go into the schools and I want to preach. And they, they get it and it's fun and it's wild. And there's, you know, ministry is all about dirt and sand. And, and it's all about slime. And, oh, man, I want to have so much fun. The little six, seven, eight, they don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, they don't understand it. But when I first started, he said to me, Chino, here's what I want you to do. I need you to create an entire plan. 
And I need you to tell me how many microphone cables you need, how many mic cables you need, how many pianos, who's going to sing, what is the curriculum, how many chairs do you need, what tables, what kind of lights, what is going to happen. And I remember, I still have the document, which is hilarious. And I remember that detail by detail, I was like, this chair, this thing, this thing, this thing. At this time, then I created a service plan. At this time, we're going to start this. And then we broke them up into sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. And then we broke those up into two different ones, which was the boys and the girls. And then we split them up and we turned them into tribes. And the tribes were these different colored tribes that were in between age groups. And all of a sudden you would walk in there and there was pandemonium. It was, I mean, they were screaming and they were having fun. But then at the same time, we would sit there and we would read the Bible together. And some of these kids were opening up their mouth and saying things of how God's transforming their life. To the point that some of those kids that were there, I'm still seeing them in ministry today. What I thought was insignificant was, was us moving up to Georgia and starting to count how many microphone cables we needed. How many mics we needed? Who do we need in kids ministry? What do we need in there? What do we need with the whole? We need offering buckets. My mind was being trained in what I thought was insignificant, not understanding the impact that it was happening when I stepped into the next season of life. In your own personal life, that thing that you're holding it is not the end all be all. You're watching what's in your hand, but God has a trajectory for your life that is your faithful. If you continue to take the steps, if you're obedient, God will begin to develop that. He put some seeds in your hand. You got to allow for those seeds to die. You got to die to them. And you're going to watch those things as they begin to flourish. But it takes understanding the difference between insignificant and impact. And understanding that God wants to use what you think is little and insignificant in your life. The Bible says that David goes and he's carrying this bread. And then all of a sudden he starts kind of walking around and asking people like, hey, what's going to happen for the guy who defeats David or defeats, defeats Goliath? And one person was talking about it. And then all of a sudden he started talking about it. And then he starts to ask different people, well, hey, what, what will happen to the person and what will happen? And he's going around. And for me and you, sometimes what will happen is that if we look at that, we're like, yo, David was Hispanic. We call it interesado. He was too interested. He wanted to know what he'd get out of it. You ever met that person? That you know every time they talk to you, they're trying to get a scheme. There's something else that they're trying to come up with. It's like every time they have, hey, good morning. Oh, here you go again. <laughs> is it Herbalife? Is it Bitcoin? Like, what do you, which one, which one is this time, buddy? You know what I mean? What are you, what are you trying to do this time? And, and, and you see them. And so, but, but can I tell you that there's something important in it? Because I think, that for a lot of us, there are steps and things that God has told us to do, whether it's insignificant or impactful, whatever it is, there are things that God has told us to do that fear begins to magnify your failures so much. Faith, what it does is that it creates the future and it begins to show you what can actually happen. Faith is all about painting this big picture, but nine times out of ten, when we step into uncertain places, it's not by faith. A lot of us are stepping into it filled with fear. And fear is just saying, what is going to happen? If I talk to this person, they're going to reject me. If I go over here and I sign this contract, they're not going to accept it. Nine times out of ten, even when you have opportunities in your life, for, for some of us who deal with this, this fear is that we're looking at stuff and we're just like, man, I'm never going to be able to accomplish that. We even see people doing things that we want to do and we're like, I'll never get there. I'm too old. I've messed up. I've made too many bad mistakes. I haven't got there yet. I haven't started yet. And I, I remember what Robert Roca said when he came over here. He said, the best days are still ahead of you. You think that you wasted your time, but you haven't. What God can do in one day is so much more bigger than what he did in 10 years in somebody else's life. But it's God. You have to, and the only way that you please God is through 
faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what will happen, though, is that we paint these pictures. I think what David did was important. Because my wife, a few months ago, she preached this message, and in it, she had a thought. And the thought was this. Instead of being so fearful about what's bad and what can happen bad and what, how this is all going to end up and he's going to reject me and they're going to deny me and this is always going to happen, so why am I even going to try? Instead of doing that, what would happen if we begin to turn our attention and say, yo, what's the best that can happen? What if we start to create, instead of saying, hey, I'm going to approach this person, and as soon as I approach this person, and you've been there, don't look at me with that weird face, but you've been there because I'm going to approach this person about something. And when I approach this person, I'm going to tell them, yo, I told you to do this, and I, this is what this is, and, and you should have done this. And, oh, what? You didn't listen? Oh, well, why didn't you do this? And then, and then they're going to come back at me, and they're going to say this. And what I'm going to say is this. And, yo, but you didn't do this. And why you did that? And then, yeah, but you said this. No, but you said that. Remember that? Remember that? Remember, remember what you said? And then I'm going to go back, and then, ooh, when they say that part, I'm going to hit them with the knockout because I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, really? Then why did you text me this? You know what I mean? I'm having a conversation with an invisible person. They're not even there. It's all in my brain, bro. I'm sitting here having an argument with somebody. And what's crazy is that you walk up to them. It's the failure, right? Fear paints this failure. All of a sudden, you walk up to them and you're like, hey, man, I wanted to have this conversation. Hey, man, you know what? I'm sorry, dude. It's, you're, you're right. I, I made a mistake. No, no, no. I had this whole plan in my head. No, no, no. You're going to get this work. Listen to me. <laughs> in reality... What happens if we start to, hey, what, what can happen to the guy who defeats him? Not I'm a kid that's going up against a nine-foot giant. Not that these guys are trained in war. But once he's dead, what's going to happen to me? What happens if we start to create that brush in some of our decisions and some of the things that we have? What if we start to create these brush strokes that start to think, what's the best that can happen? So when you're filled with anxiety, with fear of this next season, of the next thing that you're going to do, of whatever it is, what if you start painting the brush and start to ask yourself one question? What's the best that can happen? Allow for that to open up the door to possibilities instead of allowing fear to close you into insecurities, hurt, pain. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to completely close myself off. I'm not, I'm not even going to try because they're going to say no. What, what would happen if they said yes? And start to walk in that David, he goes and he talks to them and he, he's hearing everybody talk about this stuff. And all of a sudden his brothers catch him and his brothers are like, oh, there he go again. There go freaking David one more time doing this stuff. And they, hey, Dave, come here, bro. Hey, man, why are you sitting here? And, and the Bible, I'm going to read it to you. He, he, they say to him, now Eliab, his oldest brother, had heard when he had spoke to the men. And Eliab, anger, his anger arose against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? The enemy's always attacking you in what you don't have, right? Look at the little few sheep. You got two or three sheep. Like, bro, why are you, who you left those with? He was like, that was like, we, we call it a, 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 a little jab. You know what I mean? Your little sheep. Who you left your little sheep with? The enemy's always trying to accuse you into your, what seems insignificant. He says, I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. Insolence of a bad, sinful heart. For you have come down to see the battle. And what he was saying to him is like, David, you, you're sitting here and you're asking people all this stuff. Man, you got bad. There's, there's something bad about you. And I know that you're, you just want to see the fight. That's all you want to do. You just want to see the fight. And in reality, can I tell you something? And this is something you may want to write down, but I don't want you to write it down as much as I want you to internalize it and understand it and live this way. Every criticism in your life isn't destructive. There's people that could criticize you and you know you just got to roll it off. You don't even know them. 
Criticism, usually, when it comes from somebody who loves you, somebody who you bled with, somebody who you've been to war with, that's what hurts you. Those are the ones that really bother you. Because when it's criticism from people online and stuff like that, like, man, you don't, you don't really care. I don't even know who you are. But when it's somebody who's close to me, somebody who I admire, appreciate, somebody who I really love, that hurts me. But what happens if their criticism is, is not meant to be destructive, but constructive, right? What if their criticism is to build you up? But we have, we have this mechanism that we just close ourselves off now, bro. You told me my pants too tight. I ain't even, I don't want to talk to you no more. Can I tell you something? I'm, and I'm going to give you a tool, hopefully, that you can use. Because when somebody gives you that, number one, listen. Just, just listen. Especially if it's somebody who's close to you. I, I know you want to punch them in the face and you want to get mad and you want to retort quick. But just, just listen. Take a minute. When you listen, reflect. Just sit there and, yo, let me, let me think about this for a minute. And sometimes you don't got to do that in front of them. You, you just got to take it with you and be able to sit there. Let me, let me listen for a second. What, what did they say? Okay, cool. Let me reflect. Am I really that person? Then you need to fact check. Every, everything is fact checked now, right? You can't write on Facebook, Instagram without getting fact checked by somebody or somebody. You don't know what you're talking about. Shut up. You don't either. You went to the Google. I could go to that same page. But, but fact check some stuff. Here's how you do it. Ask some people that you trust around you. Hey, am I, am I really? Are my thighs too thick for those pants? <laughs> Tell me the truth. Like, do I need to lose some weight? Like, I'm, I'm just saying, just, just have a conversation with somebody and fact check it. And then here it is, number four, apply as needed. Apply it where it's needed. And whatever's not needed, you already internalize it. You, you listen to it. You reflected on it. You, you were able to fact check it. This is true. This is not true. This is something I got to deal with. But then the rest of it is like, I'm going to apply this stuff. The rest of it, I don't got to apply none of that stuff. And when you do that, things inside of you will get better. Here's why. David... The Bible says in the book of 1 Samuel, but in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it says that David was a man after God's own heart, that David loved God's heart. So, so it wasn't necessarily that his heart was evil, but David had some tendencies because his brother said, I know the pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. David has some issues with seeing some things that he wasn't supposed to. David had some issues with pride that he shouldn't have had. The men were out to war, and David said to himself, I'm the king. I'm just going to sit at the house and chill. While everybody went out to war, he saw a woman that was bathing. Her name was Beersheba, and he stepped into a relationship where murder happened. Somebody died from that. Adultery happened. All because David, the constructive criticism that his brothers gave him, he never listened to it. And you can actually see this show up in his life later. So there are some things that God is probably trying to tell you through somebody else that it's not criticism. It's not meant to destroy you. It's meant to build you up. And we have to take time real quick to evaluate it, not just guard it off as trash or internalize it so much that you're always like, I'm a failure, I'm a mess up. What they told me is true. I'm, always, I'm never going to amount to something. All of that. Because David's life, he had to pay the penalty because he never addressed that. The Bible says that David goes and he's listening to, this, to, the, to the brothers and he's like, man, I ain't listening to you. And scripture even says that he keeps on talking to people. Yo, so tell me a little bit about what it is. And then this gets to Saul. And Saul hears it. And when Saul hears it, the king, Saul says to him, hey, bring David in. And Saul looks at me, he's like, bro, you can't fight. Like, you're too little. Like, I, you're not going to be able to do nothing against this guy. And he says, hold on, king. No, I got a track record. I destroyed bears his size. And I destroyed lions his size. And I saw God do that. And what God did in those moments, I know that he's going to do in these moments. I, I have a trust. 
trust and a reliance in God and not myself. And so what he does is that when he goes in there, the Bible says that he dresses him up and he puts on this, like, uh, the armor on him. And he, he kind of puts all this stuff on there. And David starts to walk with it, with the king's armor. And David's like, yo, bro, I'm not going to be able to fight like this. Like, I know God is going to fight my battles, but, man, I might lose like this. You know what I'm saying? And so he says, no, I want to take off the armor. And the Bible says he grabs five smooth stones and then he grabs a sling. He says, I got to be myself. He gets up in front of Goliath. And he's face to face with Goliath. You saw the picture just a minute, um, a minute ago. And David is standing there. And Goliath is hurling all these insults. The, the enemy is always going to be loud. But God is always going to be strong. Right? There's a, there's a declaration that the enemy is always speaking over your life. But there's a demonstration that's so much more stronger than that. And so you have to trust in God. I'm going to give it in layman's terms. In layman's terms is that actions speak louder than words. Action acts always louder than audio. Always. Every single time. So while he's hurling insults, right, you'll never be a good husband. You'll never be able to raise those kids correctly. You'll never be able to start that business. You'll never amount to nothing. The way that your parents ended, that's how you're going to end. The very thing that took them out is going to take you out. And the enemy is constantly hurling these insults at you. But on the other side of it, we serve a God that is about action. A God that will leave the splendor of heaven to come save us, right? But a God that's inside of us that doesn't just talk, that he's about action, right? And so our God is strong. I, I was, uh, me and my son, we were talking a, the, a, a little while ago. I think it was last year. And uh, me and my son, and hopefully we got this ready to rock lid. Um, we, me and my son, we were talking, and we were at a, at a, oh my God, where were we? Passport. We were at one of the, the government offices. And in the government office, my son is like, Dad, I'll smoke you. He's like, bro, I'm so, I'll smoke you, dude. I'm, I'm so fast, I will burn you. I said, bro, I said, look, uh, my muscles used to be in different places, and now they're in one spot. Easy to manage, you know what I mean? Midsection. Helps me with equilibrium. I'm like, I'm like, bro, don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. Dad, you don't even know, bro. I'll, right now, we can go outside. Right now, we can go outside. Dad, I will dust you, bro. I will smoke you so bad. Bro, I got up out of that chair. Bro, let's go outside then, homie. And so... <laughs> And so I walk outside. I'm like, right, we, we, we'll do this. Let's do this. And so he's, the whole time he's yapping. Oh, dad, man, you don't even, bro, I'm going to burn you. Dad, stretch. You're going to pull a hamstring. Like the whole time he's just sitting there and listening. And I'm like, bro, okay, I got you. you. You're good. I got you. And I remember we got up to the starting line, right? And when we got up to the starting line, I'm sitting there and, I, and he's still yapping. Dad, watch. <laughs> watch. I'm going to burn you, dad. And I think I even made a bet with him or something. I was like, I'll give you some V-Bucks for Fortnite or something if you burn me. <laughs> And I was like, but you can't beat me, dog. And I was like, all right, cool. And I'm just sitting there. And then all of a sudden, I want you to see this video. Dusted that boy. I was struggling, but I dusted that boy. I was struggling. I think I caught a hamstring after that. But I dusted that boy. I got receipts. He can't talk to me. He tells me all the time now. He's playing football. He's like super athletic. He's a cornerback. He's amazing. He's like, Dad, let's race. For what? <laughs> As you enter into the building, for what? I don't need to race you. I already beat you. I'm good. I, I dusted you. What, what, what happens is that the enemy is always constantly sitting there screaming at you. But there's a miracle that's on the other side of your obedience that will embarrass the devil every single time. While the enemy is trying to talk to you about what you can't do, 
get up every single morning and take care of those kids. Brush their hair, give them something to eat, put the food on there, put them to bed, keep doing what, get up and go to work and continue to do the things that you do. In the midst of what you think is insignificant, God will begin to show up and start to magnify those things. All of a sudden now, you start to watch some flowers begin to bloom in your family. You start to watch some flowers begin to bloom in your finances because God is on your side because he's always been on your side. But we feel sometimes we're so filled with fear that we're just like, man, we're going to make this mistake. And what the enemy is saying is actually going to happen to me. I am going to get Alzheimer's. I am going to die of cancer. I am going to mess this up. I am going to ruin another opportunity. Don't listen to the enemy. Begin to take steps in the Lord. And when you begin to do those things, you'll watch as God starts stepping with you. Because David said something that is a tool for us. He said there was no sword in David's hand. There was no spear in David's hand. He said in not having any of those you will notice that there is a God in Israel, that there is the Lord of Lords. Here's what he was saying. You think the stone killed Goliath? Bro, a rock to a nine-foot warrior? You think it was the stone? It was the plus one that was living inside of David. It was the Holy Spirit that was inside of him. So for some of us, here's the truth. 2,000 and something, well, 6,000 years later, that Holy Spirit is not that he just came, empowered men for works, and then he disappeared as he did in the Old Testament. No, that Holy Spirit resided, lives inside of us to empower us, that we still have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Some of us just got to take some steps. And when we take a step, just try it. See if it's real. See if it's real, because there's some miracles and some stories. And Amber, I'm excited because I, I got to talk to you because I heard some stories. Last Sunday, they went out there and they went evangelizing to the mall. And I'm showing, I'm getting text messages. My phone is burning up. And they're telling me story after stories of individuals who said, I know the enemy is roaring. You're going to look like an idiot. You're going to sound dumb. Why are you even going to say that? They're not going to listen to you. But they walked away from everything that they heard and they stepped into it. And they went to the mall and people's lives got changed. People got healed. People got delivered. Life change happened at Town Center Mall. Because of some individuals that said, I don't know if it's real, but I'm going to try it. And when they tried it, God showed up in their life. Amen. What would happen in your own life if you start to do those things and you start to actually move towards those? What would happen if you stop talking about how much you love somebody and you begin to show them how much you love them? I think this will help relationships. It will help friendships so much. If you stepped out of your insecurities and who you are and, and what you think you are and you aren't, and you actually believed in the empowerment of who God is and you, you stepped in and you started to take some action, clean the house a little bit and watch how your wife, she, that'll turn her. You keep wearing these little hoochie daddy shirts to try to make shorts to make her lust after you. The hoochie daddy shirts ain't working. Clean the house. I guarantee you, you can do all you want, bro. She's like, take me as an offering. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's action. It's action. It's actually being able to say, you know what? What would it look like if we actually began to sit down with our children and just had conversations with them about certain things? But not only have conversations, but start to create an action plan. Hey, what would it look like if you actually took $50 and you bought this or you went to the neighbor and asked them to clean? Like, I mean, just create plans around stuff around your family and your children and start to watch. Just take a step. Because when you take that step, God invades that step. There's an enemy that's chasing after you, but there's a God that's always walking with you, living inside of you. And if you can understand this, if you can live in the reality of who God is, if you can live in this faith, man, there's not an obstacle that will present itself. It could be a nine foot tall man who is way more trained than you are, 
all of a sudden you're going to see yourself sitting in an office trying to figure out how the heck did I get into this position when that person who has 12 years of schooling, that person has this degree, this person has been in this company for so long. Why am I sitting here? It's because of the plus one that's living inside of you. You got a favor over your life. There is a God that loves you, that protects you, but a God that also empowers you because he's living inside of you. Today, there are some of us in this room that are, we feel like, we feel like we're on the other side of the equation. And honestly, to, to an extent, we kind of feel like we're in the middle of this, of this valley. And on one side, we feel like the Philistines are here and they're, they're talking about how much he's going to kill you and how much death and loss and how much bad stuff is going to happen. And then on the other side, you hear about how good God is and how good God is a deliverer and how God can strengthen you. And for some of us, we find ourselves in this middle ground and you've been in this middle ground for way too long. You've been in this indecisive place of not knowing which way to turn. Can I tell you today that there's a God that loves you? He's not intimidated by your ir irresponsibility or, or, or by your indecisiveness. He, he's not intimidated by those things. You can be in the middle and you can even question, is God even real? Try it. And for some of us, we feel like we're just, we're at a party that we were uninvited to. You ever been to a party that you're uninvited to? My wife, she goes to weddings with me all the time and she goes to these weddings, these, these people, are, they have no clue who she is. And she sits there in the corner. She actually doesn't even go to me, go to the weddings very much with me because she hates being there by herself. And then I have to do the whole thing and then I come over there because I'm officiating it. And then I go and then we hang out and whatnot, but it's just me and her. We eat the people food and then we take off. <laughs> but you feel uninvited sometimes to the point that even in, even in your own home, sometimes you feel like you don't belong. Sometimes you can be in a, in a room full of people and you could be at a table and everybody's giving input. And when they're all giving input, you give your piece. And the moment that you give your piece, you take a step back in your brain because the roaring lion comes and he's like, why did you say that? Such an idiot. Why do you always say that? You say the stupidest things. Why would you even, why did you say that? But then you push away from the table and you're having conversations in the hallway and somebody says, hey man, thank you for saying that. Like, I, we needed to hear that. Thank you, because you, you said, but the lion was roaring. Regardless of what the lion's roaring, the steps that you're taking are going to be covered by God. But, but that, that deal that you're dealing with, where you feel like you're in this indecisive valley, today you can make a decision. And today everything can change. You no longer have to live in this space of not knowing, is God going to save me? Is the enemy really going to kill me? Should I go on this side because I have a little bit of fun? Or should I give my life to the Lord? Today I'm giving you an opportunity. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you shall be saved. Today you don't have to live in this valley of indecision. In fact, you can actually step out of this valley of indecision and you can find yourself in the posture and in the army of the Lord, in the family of God. Not for you to be in this hunky-go-dory loving, oh my God, I'm on this side, I love the Lord and I love everything, but for you to go to the valley and start rescuing people who are there. Because there's an assignment and there's a call in your life, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. But if you're in this place and you're saying, Chino, today I feel like I'm in this middle ground and dude, I can't figure it out. I've tried so long. I try to do it by myself, but it always feels like I'm right back to ground zero. I'm right back to this place of hurt, of pain, of sin, of addiction. I feel like I'm right here today. There is a lifeline. There is a lifesaver. His name is Jesus and he wants to rescue you from where you are. And it's as simple as opening up your mouth and as simple as believing in your heart. It's what the Bible says. That's not what Chino says. 
Because God demonstrated his own love to you, not declared, he demonstrated it. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says that God demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners, while we were at our worst, God was at his best and he died for us. That means that this beginning part has nothing to do with how good or how bad you are. This beginning part has everything to do with the God that loves you. All you have to do is accept it. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us